Trigger warning. This episode contains conversations surrounding topics of grief and death. It's just been over a year since the first wave of coronavirus cases were announced in our respective countries in Southern Africa, yet thousands of families and friends are still feeling the enormous gap of having lost a loved one to this deadly pandemic. As we were learning to adjust from our normal way of life and taking precautions to protect not only ourselves but those around us, the numbers of positive cases kept rising and with the rise of infections there came a rise of COVID-19 or COVID-related deaths. There came a time where almost everyone heard of the passing of someone that they knew on a weekly basis. Seeing a wave of RIP messages flood through our social media pages slowly became a norm, but the true reality of losing a loved one to this virus can't be easily explained. Some families had more than one person test positive for COVID-19 and in the battle of survival and recovery, we saw some families not just lose one loved one, but experience the pain of losing two or more loved ones just days apart. Death and funerals within our communities were becoming a weekly occurrence. As Faces podcast. Welcome to today's episode of Numbers as Faces. I am your host, Lerato Honde. And I am your co-host, Ingrid Bami. So as we mentioned at the start of this episode, um, we feature today stories from Shosho in Lesotho and Bonolo in South Africa. And um, stories of losing loved ones. Both Shosho and Bonolo lost family members mm. to COVID-19 since January this year. Uh, Shosho lost her dad and Bonolo lost her aunt and her uncle. Yes, uh, Bonolo lost her aunt and her uncle. And that was actually in when the pandemic was rife in South Africa. This was last year, I think, with, I think in June. Uh, that's when she lost uh, both her uncle and her aunt within that period. And like the stories that we're sharing there, they're deep. And I think... We've all known of COVID. We've all seen the numbers uh, rising, you know, uh, but also in that, I think we sometimes are oblivious to the reality of the fact that people have actually lost loved ones. People have lost family. People have lost people that are close to them. So we're going to go um, straight into these stories, uh, starting it out with Bonolo Nfigwe uh, from South Africa. And she'll be relaying the story and the journey and the experience of losing both her aunt and her uncle to COVID-19. Hello, um, my name is Bonolo. Um, I'm from Pretoria and from Harangu, actually, to be more specific. I lost two family members um, to COVID. So the first family member, it was my it was my aunt, um, my mom's younger sister. Uh, <laughs> I I I always used to say she she was my second mom, and like she we lost her in 
on the 17th of June, 2020. And on the 8th of June, not, no, on the 30th of June, sorry, um, we lost the husband. So it, it was, it was painful. It was, it was really painful. Um, she came to my parents' house um, around when she got ill. You know, COVID, I, I promise you, COVID was the last thing on our minds. And because I, I, I'm gifted the way I'm gifted, um, spiritually, that is, that I use traditional medicine. So whatever symptoms that she was um, complaining about, I was helping her with that, with that, you know. And because she's also someone that she's been in and out of hospital for the longest time. So which is why COVID for us, it was not something that we thought of. I just thought, you know, I would give her one, two, three, and then she'll be fine, you know. And um, the following day, when we decided to take her to the um, to to the to the hospital, um, she was saying, "I feel weak," you know. So we were like, "Let's just take her there so that she can just get something," you know, because she was also not eating. She was not experiencing any coughing, but her temperature was very high. You know, I remember even if you just get close to her, you could just feel how hot she was. She was, and. Remember when we took her to the hospital and and her exact words were You actually helped me with my headache um and the dizziness. This is her exact words. Um she's like when I come out of the hospital, um You'll be the one to thank. Because she also didn't want to go to the hospital. For some reason, she was like, ah, dude, we, we were the ones that were pushing her to do that. And she went in on Saturday night. On Sunday in the afternoon, it was confirmed that it was COVID. And we we felt optimistic, you know. Um, I remember, like, we were praying, like, every night, every night. Um, keep in mind now, the husband at this time was home, and he's a frontline worker, by the way. Um, he was home, um, but he was also starting to not feel well at that time. But because we were focusing on my aunt, we were, we were not paying much attention to him. And then... Um, Two days later, on on Wednesday, I remember my cousin called me, and so the daughter of my aunt called me. She was like crying, and I just knew, you know, I just knew that she 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 was gone. Like my cousin didn't even say a word. She just her exact words were. And she started crying and I knew that it was over. I remember when um I told the rest of the family because 
we stay in different townships when I, 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 cause I was the one who knew from our side. I, I, I told everyone and it became a thing of initially how my family is because we are very close. The first thing is to just rush there. I remember the thing was, we can't do that now. What precautions do we need to take? Who has sanitizers? What, what, what do we need to do? Um, I have all other aunts also who are older. They also have they are on chronic um, and they have other chronic um illnesses. They they so it was that thing of no who should stay who should go um what needs to happen and I remember my cousin even calling crying it's like where are you guys because we are alone you know. Um, the father is there is is he's also sick and eventually we got there and and as much as i i i now understand that this this virus is bigger than me i get it now but because at that point i didn't get it i felt like I could have, I failed my, my, my aunt in not being to help her, um, with, with my gift, you know, um, I really, I remember it, it really broke me that I couldn't, I couldn't help her. And also I know it's something that even my family struggles with today. Guys, COVID funerals are just so cold. Like, for the fact that we can't view the body, um, which is something that brings some some closure, you know? Um, for the fact that the body is not even allowed to come in the yard. Um, do you get that the last time we saw her was when we took her to the hospital so it was even now it's such a painful thing it's such a painful thing to even think about like even the funeral like the way the coffin was being carried all these people are dressed up in these, I, and I get it now, I get it, that they're also protecting themselves, you know, but it's just so cold, like the coldness of the funeral, the whole ceremony, it's, it's too painful, that, that's something that I don't think I'll get over, um, or that I will forget for the rest of my life, um, I'll never forget that, I'll never forget that, um, you know, like the thought of just my aunt. I remember um, when we got her um, her belongings from the hospital, we saw she had taken a picture of herself in the hospital and she had an oxygen mask on. And she just looks so lonely, bruh. Like, we can't visit her. She is... She's alone. She's probably scared because even the nurses are treating her in a type of way. But I get why that they were doing that because they were also taking precautions, you know. Um, I, that was cold. Um, fast forward, my aunt was buried, and then 
now the husband, so my uncle started getting sick. He got sick by the day, you know, by when I say, I remember we, I stayed there um, after the funeral and it was, it was, it was terrible. It was terrible. Um, he was now complaining about not being able to breathe. Um, and he refused. You know, when I say to take a person to the hospital, he refused. Like, he was like, I'm not going there. I'm not going there. And I remember on the day, he actually um, agreed. In the morning, um, my cousin was like, um, he's ready. So let's let's just... Um, freshen up quickly and then so that we can take him so we were waiting for the car to actually take us and while he was in the bathroom um that's where he also took his last breath so on that morning he was supposed to go to the hospital and Personally, that was a very traumatic experience because I've never seen someone literally take their last breath in front of me. And, yo, that was painful. Um, but I also had that thing that I, if I'm feeling this way, how are the kids feeling where they are literally, they're losing their parents all in the space of eight days, eight days, guys. Like, how do you even do that? You know? Um, so the funeral happened for him. And then, yeah, I would say I've lost, those are the people I've lost last year to, to this demon, you know? Um, I, I won't lie, 2020 has been, was, was a year of a lot of loss. Um, it was, it was something else. It was something else. And we're still grieving, man, as a family. We're still grieving. Um, we all heal differently. Our grieving looks differently, but we... This whole thing has brought us closer together. Um, we're really tighter as a family because of that whole experience. So, yeah. So that was Bonolo's story. Bonolo from Pretoria. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it... Yeah, it was something else. It, I can't, I can't imagine it. I can't, I can't put myself through that. It's hearing someone's story and you can't apply yourself in any type of way because you literally have to have lived it to have a fraction mm. of an understanding of what she went through, actually. Mm. And it's just interesting what she talks about um, burying a loved one and how you don't have the opportunity to even just mourn and mm. get through the fact that like in her situation to get her family to get through the fact that they just lost their aunt mm -hmm. and straight after she's lost her uncle as well. And it's, it's like, 
a question of like who's next and what do we do yeah. and how do we social distance and it's just it just seems like a lot how and do we um navigate around you something know, that what we're so used to you know obviously death is something that's been around for eons but the way in which we like carry it now and the way in which we face it now because of all of the precautions that we need to take and the restrictions that are around it all mm. and she even talks about um traditional medicine mm. and um i think that's something that that's a conversation that's been going on even before COVID 19 mm-hmm. is like do we trust traditional medicine um just because it hasn't been in the laboratory laboratory mm-hmm just because it hasn't been in the laboratory it's like it's not trustworthy and now i think with covid-19 because there was a lot of uncertainty at the beginning which she also talks about people are trying everything they're trying traditional medicine they're trying what the doctors are suggesting and now with the vaccine i think a lot of people are trying that but also there's some people that are skeptical and it's interesting how that relates to shosho's story because um, there's a point when Shosho talks about um, there's a point when Shosho talks about the fact that they weren't sure whether to take her her dad to the hospital. Mm-hmm. But without us giving us giving out too much away uh, from uh, Shosho's story, uh, we're gonna go straight into uh, the story from Shosho. She is uh, from Lesotho, and she tells us about how she and her dad both contracted uh, COVID nineteen. But unfortunately, her dad didn't make it. My name is Shusha Mufukin. I am the first child of my parents, um, Matia Mufukin and Marie Mufukin, who died on the 22nd of January 2021 from COVID 19. In January, 2021, 5th January to be specific, I turned 35. My dad had just turned 60 as he was born in January the 3rd. But um, on the 8th of January, we both began to feel sick. My dad was coughing and because we had seen and head of the signs of COVID-19 from different medias. My mother suspected that maybe he has COVID-19 and she decided that my dad needs to take the necessary precautions such as uh, wearing a mask and getting him cough medication. I also began showing some signs of COVID-19. I was sweating and my temperature was up. And then we both got very sick. Uh, I live five minutes away from my parents' house. So my mother recommended that I should isolate at my house while my father isolated in that bedroom. Um. I was alone, as I live alone. My partner did come and check on me on a daily basis to check whether I had eaten and taken my medication. I got very sick. At first, we were just suspecting. We were not even sure whether it's COVID or not. 
But when I got very sick, I called a doctor who came to check me. And the doctor confirmed that I have COVID-19. And he prescribed some medication for me, which my partner went to get. And also my dad was getting worse. He also tested. And the doctor confirmed that he also has COVID-19. I tried to understand how I got COVID-19 because I, I tried everything to be cautious. I was wearing my mask. I washed my hands. I tried my level best never to touch my face. But I kept being positive. I tried to eat right. I ate and lots of fruits. I drank lots of different fluids. I used the traditional medication. Also, I to, to, to steam, but I was also taking the prescribed medication from the doctor. My father also was using uh, the traditional medication for, for to steam, and he also took the prescribed medication from the doctor who, who tested us and confirmed that we are both positive. But I got very sick. I used to have severe chest pains when I was coughing. I had a dry cough and emotionally I was drained, especially at night where I would cough until I needed to wake up and sit because when I was coughing, I felt like at some point I was going to die. I was short of breath sometimes and I got very sick. I could see in my partner's eyes that I'm sick, but I kept holding on. I could see also when my son came to see me that he was worried that mommy might not make it. Even the way my mother looked at me. But what I didn't know is that my father was also getting worse. And then one night, when I was very sick, I called my father. I asked him how he was, and my father cried. My father calls, he used to call me princess in my language. He only called me by my real name when he was upset with me. And he called me. He was like, which means my princess, I'm scared. I've never heard or seen my father cry. He cried and then he dropped the phone. I called my partner to take me home because I could not drive myself. Then when I got there, my mother told me that, oh, you know, your father, he probably cried because he misses you, you know. He always wants you by his side, but because you are both sick, you cannot be in the same house. And, yeah. When I got there, I could see 
I could see that my father was different. There was something different about his eyes. He asked me, how do I feel? Am I better? Then I said, yes, daddy. I am better. And he said, okay, if you're better, it means I'll also be better. And then I left because I could not stay in a parent's house. I needed to be isolated. The following day, my mother called me. She cried. She was scared. She told me that my father is not doing good. But she doesn't want my father to go to the hospital because people don't come back. Most people who had COVID did not come back from hospital. But I convinced my mother to take my father to hospital. I told her, if he dies in the house, you'll be scared. And people will think that you denied him the opportunity to get professional help. My mother and my younger brother took my father to a private clinic. When he got there, he was immediately put on oxygen as his oxygen levels were very low. Then they organized for him to go to a public hospital, to be specific, barrier hospital, which the government of Lesotho had identified as one of the facilities that will take people who have COVID. My friend who is a nurse there told me that my father was getting better. <laughs> but the following day, while I was asleep, <laughs> It was 11 o'clock. I had a knock. I had my brother screaming for me. I got up. And I shouted at him like, what do you want? It's late and you are disturbing my neighbors. And he said to me, <laughs> he said, your father is gone. <laughs> Him God, where he said, Our father is dead. He cried, and I could not cry. I could not cry because I'm the eldest. I had to make sure that my younger brother is fine, and then. I drove home with him. My mother cried and I couldn't cry. And then when they slept, I cried myself to sleep. I always thought I knew what pain was. But the pain that I felt that day 
I have seen people refuse to wear a mask. And what I do is just walk away if I was going to get a service from such a place. Because I believe we got COVID from somebody who was not wearing a mask. We kept getting news that some of my father's friends are dying from COVID. COVID for me is not just something I got and I had a near death experience. COVID gave me the worst pain I've ever experienced. It took away someone who saw me as a princess and treated me as one. No matter how wrong I was, COVID, mm. that horrid, horrid experience. Mm. Um, so that was from Shosha in Lesotho. And uh, what we've decided to do is uh, because they also contracted uh, COVID, uh, Bonola and Shosha, that is, uh, the next episode uh, from the podcast will be dedicated to understanding how, even through grief, how they were able to recover from COVID-19, what methods they had to use, as we know that there isn't a cure. So um, I think as people throughout the whole world, but as Africans especially, we've been exploring different ways in which one can tackle this uh, virus. And that's what you guys, not you can, but you guys can expect in the next episode of the podcast. And as the name of the podcast suggests, numbers as faces. Um, I'm sure by now a lot of us know someone who's contracted COVID-19 and someone who's not survived from COVID-19. So stick with us. That episode touches base on what it's like to have the same virus, which has taken the lives of your loved ones and what it's like to recover and the light at the end of the tunnel. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. See you guys on the next episode. To access the full creative campaign, Search the hashtag Numbers as Faces on all social media platforms. You can read up on more of our COVID stories as they're released by following Open Society Initiative for Southern Africa on Facebook, at Osisa on Twitter, and at Osisagram on Instagram. As we try and navigate the new normal, let's remember to protect ourselves and those around us by regularly washing hands, wearing a face mask when in public, and practicing social distancing. The Numbers as Faces podcast is brought to you by the Open Society Initiative for Southern Africa in collaboration with five storytellers from South Africa, 
Lesotho, Malawi, and Zimbabwe. Script written by Nagato Honde. Interviews conducted by Nagato Honde and Ingrid Bame. Artwork and podcast covers by Amy Lee Bruff and Ronyarero Nyagwande. Music supplied by Made by Cap. Recording studios at Zaluso Arts based in Lilongwe, Malawi. Recording, editing and distribution by Neon Bloom Productions. Consulting producer Fernando from Neon Bloom Productions. Content provided by Osisa Creative Agency.